This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Cricket. Cricket makes perfect, classic, and easygoing polo shirts. For 20% off of your first purchase, go to cricketshirts.com fool and use the promo code fool. That's cricket, C-R-I-Q-U-E-T, shirts.com fool. Promo code fool. It's Thursday, October 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today for Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. How you doing, bud? Hey, now. Late in the week, but I'm happy to see you. Yeah. Yeah, we got plenty to talk about today. Uh, are you excited about Halloween? It's right around the corner. Father of two. It's got to <laughs> yeah. be a great time. It's always an interesting time. I do have to give my wife uh, tremendous credit for really spearheading the... Uh, obtaining of the costumes this mm-hmm. year, she was really proactive about getting getting on that with Got the girls. It done so early. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've I've done my part by just basically keeping a bag of candy in the house, sure, <laughs> and uh, and making sure that we all kind of. Recognize that October is a month for sweets. So, amen. Uh, well, we've got plenty to talk about, including uh, Halloween candy, uh, which has been our theme for this entire week. We'll also be talking about Buffalo Wild Wings, Tesla. Uh, but let's begin. Jason Moser's in the in the room today, so we got to start with Twitter. <laughs> uh, Twitter has been the center of drama for some time now, with rumors of an acquisition. Uh, they shifted their earnings announcement timing. There are proposed layoffs for its workforce. Finally, we got the hard numbers telling us what's going on. On earlier this morning, when Twitter announced its third quarter, and Jason, how did things look? Sure, I think uh, in short, I mean this was a good quarter for Twitter. I mean they really needed it at least to quell some of that speculation that oh, yeah. you were talking about, about there just a minute ago. And um, it's it's a company that we we own in million dollar portfolio. We recently put it on hold because of all of this back and forth sort of hearsay. There was no real understanding as to what was actually going on. It all just kind of came down to sources, and no one ever really stood behind what they said. Uh, so we could tell that the stock was sort of uh, trading a lot based on headlines. But but beyond that, even I mean, this has been a very lousy investment up to this point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Twitter has had a pretty miserable life as a public company, and uh, our thinking on putting it on hold was that we wanted to see some tangible signs of success. At least some traction in regard to this live strategy that they're implementing. I think that Jack Dorsey coming back in was a good thing. Mm-hmm. I know some people very, uh, some people feel strongly that you know, he should be the CEO of one company, not both. And let's not even get into that discussion. I just think having a founder back in the seat like that at least has given uh, given them the ability to sort of consider introducing change or evolution to the platform. Um, but everything they've done in this first year basically has centered around establishing what they are, what they want to focus on, and then how they're going to get there. And so, identifying really what Twitter does really well in live uh, was the first step. And then starting to implement product features and, and strategies that can kind of center around that. And I think really the live streaming is the culmination of that. And so, we want to see signs of success that the live streaming strategy actually works. And right. the signs of success will be in growth in users and or revenue, ideally both. Uh, and, and this quarter, we, we saw that growth. I mean, a little bit. It was modest, but I mean, it, it certainly was better than the other way around. And, and any, any day when Twitter announces earnings and the stock's not selling off 20% is probably a good step in the right direction. <laughs> big so, day. It's, it's, yeah, they're not out of the, they're far from out of the woods, but this was certainly a good first step in what we hope to see uh, a bigger trend. So, it's those daily average users, those monthly active users uh, that we really focus on with Twitter. This is a company that has a history of doing well 
in quarters with these big events where those active users are more active than ever. Like the World Cup a few years ago was yep. huge for Twitter. Uh, that was uh, a great, I think it was quarter or two where Twitter was just riding that high uh, for the World Cup. This quarter, uh, they mentioned in the call that obviously there was a lot of daily active use around the presidential debates. So, my fear, my question for you is can we rely on a company that has these occasional bright spots, these occasional flare ups of use? From their users uh, that die down eventually and just ride that roller coaster? Or do you want something more consistent and is live streaming the consistency we've been looking for? There's a lot of questions all in one. Well, no, but I mean, I think your general point is, is exactly the right one to be thinking about here because we're talking about a year 2016 where there have been a lot of events that should play into their wheelhouse, right? right? I mean, the election, the Olympics to, to a lesser degree, but but certainly uh, the election, I think the introduction of the NFL deal, this advent of live streaming, all of these things. I mean, the, the challenge for Twitter in its simplest form is pretty easy to understand. I mean, they just need to create a platform where people want to go every day, right? If they they want to create Easier this platform where if you need to go get your news or entertainment, mm-hmm. that's a platform where you where you consider going. And up until this point, they've done a very bad job at, at teaching people why or how they could use Twitter. Um, and so that that certainly is going to be a challenge. Is taking these next two quarters, thinking, okay, these were some great events where we were able to bring more people into the door and show them what we can do. Yeah, you got to convince those people to keep coming back. Right. And so. Fortunately for them, because the strength is in live and sort of real-time news platform and entertainment and stuff like that, there are always going to be events that they can shine a light on. And I think that's where the live video streaming really presents an opportunity. Um, I think really the other the other thing that that I saw that I, I'm very encouraged with. I mean, it, it just is about time, honestly, is that they are trying to write. Size this business, mm-hmm. the, the job, the layoffs. I mean, that they're cutting about nine percent of the workforce, and I mean that that sucks for people with the job that that aren't going to have a job the next day. I, that, I'm not saying I, I'm happy they are losing their jobs, but as far as a business goes, you know, Twitter's never going to be like a Facebook size platform, right? Um, but that's not really the purpose that it serves either, right? So I mean, what they can do, they can always exist as sort of this niche offering and informational sort of feed and, and entertainment and whatnot. And they can be very profitable in the process. But in order to do that, you have to have your cost structure in line. And their cost structure has not been in line, really, at all. It's a tremendously bloated company. Um, And so, I'm glad they're making those tough decisions now. I mean, they are tough decisions. I'm not saying they're easy. Um, But hopefully, these are signs that they really are serious about this goal of becoming gap profitable in 2017. Because all of a sudden, if you have a business here that has a pretty established, loyal user base, and you have your cost structure in place, and that makes sense. Then you you can be profitable, right. and you can actually be a decent investment, judging you know by by the stock's price and, and where you're buying and selling. Um, so I mean that's a lot that they have to deal with. I think this quarter gave us a, a little bit more clarity, and, and I think it sounds like they want to try to go it on their own, and and we want to at least see them give it a shot. We had placed the expectation on the third and fourth quarters that we needed to see signs of progress, and and we saw signs of progress this quarter. We want to see that carry on into the into the fourth quarter and guidance into the new year, and and you know that's kind of where it, where it stands right there. I would say for investors who own shares, I mean, I don't know that there's a reason to dump your shares. I mean, mm-hmm. I own my shares still, and I mean, I don't need to sell them, and I'm pretty interested to see kind of where they where they can go with this thing. I, I don't know that I would be recommending anybody buy shares of Twitter today. I think that it is a very 
it's going to be a very bumpy ride. I mean, it's not like the kind of stock that goes to zero, but uh, I mean, like I said, they, they're far from out of the woods. Waiting, watching, and wishing. All right, let's keep on talking earnings with Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, the restaurant chain. Didn't do too poorly, uh, I guess, is the way to phrase this. Uh, revenue was a little bit below expectations. Uh, earnings per share were a little bit above expectations. Uh, sales for the chain were down from the same quarter a year ago, but only by 1.6%, I think it was, which again was just a hair better than expectations. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, meh. This quarter is is how I'd how I describe it. How would you describe uh, Buffalo Wild Wings quarter? Probably a fitting description there. When was the last time you went to a B Wild? Not, I'm gonna say at least a year. Yeah, at it's been a while for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's an interesting market reaction here to what was not an impressive quarter to me really at all. I mean, after going through the call and after having watched this business for a long time, we had it on the watch list in MDP. And I took it off because it just there was not enough there to make this really compelling from a longer term perspective. Um, you know, 2016 has been a very bad year for Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. It's, it's not like you could point towards a uh, food health scare either, right? I mean, it's not like there's been sort of a Chipotle style problem going on here. It's just been a tough year for the concept. By the way, the Chipotle folks, the brand <laughs> folks out there, they don't want you calling it a Chipotle no. style problem. <laughs> they they, they sure. don't. And as a as a shareholder in Chipotle. I'm rooting for their turnaround as well. Uh, I think Buffalo Wild Wings' challenges are a bit deeper, probably, than that, though, because for what they've done so well to this point in growing sort of a simple concept and giving it like a national identity, it is a big company now. It's grown mm-hmm. considerably. And, and I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I like the idea that they wanted to try to build their restaurant portfolio out beyond just Be Wild and have other concepts like Pizza Rev and, and R Taco and whatnot. But it even sounds like they're putting those other concepts on hold as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings was initially guiding to hopefully get back to flat comps by the by the fourth quarter of this year. Now they're saying it looks like those comps are going to be negative. Right. It looks like those headwinds are going into 2017. They guided earnings down. So then you look at the shares and you say, well, based on the earnings expectations we have today for the full year 2016, shares are trading around 25 times. That's probably not that bad of a price for a business like this, assuming they can get some growth back in there. And to put it in perspective, you look at Chipotle now, and after that massive sell off Chipotle had yesterday, Chipotle's targeting $10 in earnings per share in 2017, which puts that stock at like 36 times 2017 estimates, which is still no bargain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, from from a valuation perspective, Buffalo Wild Wings certainly looks like a more um, attractive opportunity. But again, I, I don't know how easy it's going to be for them to, to really continue growing. I mean, I think things like takeout are very good, but you also got to remember that they invest a lot in those stores to begin with. So you want people going into those stores and staying. And I think that we have just more ways to consume entertainment now. True. And people are probably finding a lot of value in in watching games from home. Yeah. Um, and then Buffalo Wild Wings. It's not like there's one on every corner. I mean, mm-hmm. they have to kind of put them in pretty strategic places, and that real estate costs a lot of money. So, I mean, a lot of challenges. It's not my favorite idea right now. It was it was a tough quarter. I don't I don't see anything that just turns this thing around immediately, but. Very strong leadership there in Sally Smith, and I think as long as she's there and doesn't have to worry so much about this potential activist uh, shareholder interest, she, she's a smart woman. She's she's brought this company a long way, so oh, I, yeah. I would not bet against her. I mean, you you have to be a pretty savvy uh, leader to create a concept, as you said. I think you said this the other day. 
uh, too. When you talk about Buffalo Wild Wings, it's like a, a pizza place where there's one on every corner. There's a mom and shop pizza place everywhere. There's a bar with a TV with wings somewhere within a two-mile radius of here, yep. maybe one-mile radius. We could find one if we didn't try all that hard. And oftentimes, probably, no offense, B-Wild, better-tasting wings in Sure, cases. sure. And so, it, to that point, you know, Buffalo Wild, they're taking some swings, they're trying some things. You know, they're, uh, they've got half-price wing Tuesdays now. Uh, they're focusing on lunch, uh, lunch throughput, as well as a new burger-focused menu. Uh, they're remodeling how they do online ordering and takeout. Uh, so again, you know they're 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 trying. They you can't deny that. Uh, so o- overall, then uh, bullish or bearish? Just uh, just break it down. So Buffalo Wild Wings to me is not the type of business that you would want to buy and just sort of set it and forget it. I think it's one that you buy. You want to hold it for as long as you can. But price really matters in this case. And I think that you. Uh, given given the the maturity of the company today, I think that today's valuation could be an opportunity, as long as you're willing to follow this closely and be willing to cut bait, perhaps when that comps picture is looking really good, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think once when when the news is all really good, this stock is going to be priced for perfection as it often is, and and then that's when you might need to actually consider. Going ahead and, and, and saying bye bye, and, and perhaps you get another opportunity. It's a good business. It's sure. just one of those restaurant businesses are very difficult to just buy and hold blindly. All right. Before we talk about Tesla, I want to give a shout out to our friends at cricketshirts.com. Cricket makes comfortable, sharp looking polo shirts that perfectly mix old school style and modern design. These things are super soft. I know. Because I'm wearing one right now, 100% certified organic cotton right now. Uh, These shirts are super comfortable. They're not too baggy, not too skinny, just like me. I'm more baggy than skinny, but it's still, (laughs) these shirts make me look okay, I like to think. Uh, So They also come uh, with a free no-hassle returns and exchange policy. Um, most importantly, at least to me, no bacon collars. You ever notice uh, on polo yes. shirts, the golf shirts, you know, they start crinkling up after yeah, a while. Absolutely. Uh, they've got stays in the collars to keep them looking crisp and new. Uh, I like that. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm sure all of our listeners and viewers appreciate it as well. Uh, I think they'll also appreciate a special offer to our dozens of listeners. They get 20% off of their first purchase uh, by going to cricketshirts.com slash fool and using the promo code fool. That's cricket. So that's C-R-I-Q-U-E-T shirts.com slash fool, promo code fool. I'm going to be buying some uh, some Christmas gifts there. I well, you know what you know what ZZ Top said, Mark. <laughs> Every girl's crazy about a sharp dressed man. That's well said. You know, ZZ Top. He knew his style. You can't deny it. All right, uh, let's move on uh, to probably one of the biggest earnings reports uh, we're going to see this season is Tesla. Uh, very heavily awaited uh, news from Tesla here. I think Wall Street was had to have been caught by surprise, <laughs> given the expectations and the reality of it. Uh, I was caught by surprise. I thought I had misread uh, when I saw that Tesla had a profit this yeah. quarter. So I mean, I guess I I don't know why everybody was actually surprised here because leading into this, I mean, we had seen all of these indicators that Elon Musk was trying to make this quarter look as good as possible. Yeah, and it's not to say. I mean, again, this is I I, I like. What he's doing. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of of people like that who who think that way and are, are world changers. I think that Tesla, the stock, is one where people can get very emotional, and I think it's worth trying to keep some perspective on it. It's like the investment versus your worldview, hmm. because he knows how to play this game. Like he's a very good PR guy. He knows how to get interest in his company and really kind of 
tell a good story and, and, and keep keep people believing in that long-term vision. And we talk about this all the time as far as, like, what is Tesla? Is it a car company, a battery company, an energy company? I mean, they like to call themselves a tech company. I mean, at the end of the day, man, they're making cars and batteries. Sure. So, that's kind of, like, pretty capital-intensive. Some heavy industry, yeah. And so, I, when he says that they're not going to need to raise any additional capital for the Model 3, that may technically be true, but as far as capital needs go for Tesla, it's a matter of when and not if. Hmm. And if this if this deal with Solar City actually goes through, then two things automatically occur there: in that Tesla becomes a much more difficult business to understand, hmm. and it is going to need more capital. Yeah. <laughs> and so true. you have to keep that in mind <laughs> as an investor. And so again, I I think it's just one where you've got to just kind of. Keep this in perspective. Right. It's it's easy to get sort of emotionally attached to what he's doing because I think we all really like and support these ideas, but that doesn't always automatically make them make them a good investment. So mm-hmm. I I, just, I would encourage investors just to kind of keep that stuff in mind. And however you view Tesla, um, don't overweight it in your portfolio, and then just sort of understand how you view the company, and that will sort of help dictate your timeline as as far as an investment goes. Man, that. Hype train keeps on chugging with Elon Musk. Uh, during the call, he mentioned that Model 3 production costs are going to be roughly half of the Model S. He also made a great point, and I hadn't thought about this, but it is true. Uh, Musk pointed out that Tesla has done no marketing for the Tesla 3, the Model 3, beyond a webcast announcing the car. And apparently, there are still enough orders to, that have come in to justify an entire year of Tesla's Model 3's scheduled production. That's again, the hype is there. Yeah. Does the hype translate to sales and enough sales to, as you said, keep this capital intensive business uh, chugging along? Uh, so, long term, then, forgetting the hype uh, over the next couple of years, let's say Model 3 comes out uh, this coming, when's it when it's supposed I think to be it's due? Something tw- like 2018. 2018, that's what new I thought. Orders, as well. I think, were, were delayed a little bit back, but I think the current orders should be. Wait, a Tesla order was delayed? <laughs> this is crazy. By the way, you, you asked at the beginning why people were so surprised that Tesla was pro- had a profit. It was their first profit in three like seven, years. Yeah, seven quarters or something. Yeah, like they've only had two profitable quarters in, I think, like six or seven years at this yeah. point. Uh, so, long term, back to the question. Long term, forgetting the hype, long term perspective, Tesla. I think the Tesla's done a wonderful job. Musk has done a wonderful job of getting of creating that early interest. Early adopters are, of course, all in. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger challenge is going to be longer term. Number one, dealing with competition out there because there there is going to be competition on this front. And um, I think the other the other genuine risk here is is Musk himself. Mm. In that, what's his ultimate focus? I mean, like. At some point, does he lose interest in Tesla and really just focus on SpaceX and getting to Mars and stuff like that? Because that would, that would seem pretty reasonable. I, mean, I think trying to get to Mars would seem like a more fun problem to solve than you know cars. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, th- I think that Musk is kind of the, the question mark there as well, longer term. And again, I mean, I think you have to love the stuff that he's doing. I just think you have to, you have to keep things in perspective when it comes to investments. And, and I think that owning a small position in Tesla and just letting it ride for the long run I think that you know that makes a lot of sense there there is some risk there but again I mean people have been doubting it all the way and and it's done a lot to this hmm. point owning a small position in Tesla and letting it ride that's some solid punnery you know and I didn't even mean it that way yeah, of but, course but I'm going to take it yeah okay uh, before we get to our biggest story 
candy. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick look at Amazon. Uh, they are expected to report earnings uh, after the market closes uh, later today. Uh, lots of good things going in Amazon's favor these days. You know, uh, the cloud computing service, Amazon Web Services, uh, stronger than ever. Uh, e-commerce sales continue to grow. Uh, Jason, what is one thing, just one, just one, just one, hmm. one thing investors should be watching for in Amazon's earnings announcement? Well, can I do two? Just one, Maybe Jason. Two? So I mean, Amazon Prime Day last, you know, was in July, and so we sure. should actually get. Um, you know a better idea as to as to you know how that affects their top line. I think I think the bottom line with Amazon, they're they're obviously expecting a very big holiday season, um, hiring a lot, and so I think we will continue to see just the theme of investing more and more and more in Prime and its offerings, shipping, logistics, entertainment. Um, with Amazon, a lot of it's just kind of the same thing quarter in quarter out. They play their they keep their cards pretty close to the vest. Um, and, and kind of let the numbers numbers do the talking. I, again, I, not a company I would ever bet against me. I own shares and plan on hanging on to them for quite some time to come. Sure. All right. Now, the real question, Jason. The important stuff. Halloween candy. <laughs> Halloween is this coming Monday. All week, we've been asking our analysts and our guests here about their favorite. Excuse me. Their uh, most underrated Halloween candy and their most overrated Halloween candies out there. Uh, do you have a take on? Let's start with your most underrated Halloween candy, and then I'll give you mine. We'll see if they match up. I'm gonna be interested to see how Dan reacts to this. Dan reacts these. strongly to a lot of these. Well, and I love his passion about a lot of things. I mean, I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans. Um, I I would say so overrated. Okay. And like if I get this in my trick or treat bag, I'm throwing it away. Is Twizzlers. Twizzlers, I mean, Twizzlers, man, That's it's like classic. It's like you're chewing on a shoe. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, like I, I, I just, I don't eat them. I don't yeah. like them. Yeah. I just. That's a good call. <laughs> Dan Boyd chiming in. Thing is, Twizzlers we are overrated. I'm gonna go ahead uh, and say overrated. Good and plenty. Good and plenty. Those yeah. little tiny white and pink pills of licorice disgustingness. Yeah. Uh, it's not that they're overrated. It's not that they're beloved by people. It's the fact that they, sh- if if Good and Plenty <laughs> is even rated at all, I cannot emphasize how much I hate Good and Plenty. If licorice it's even rated bad, at all, and the people who like licorice are also bad. Yeah. Well said, Daniel. Well said. Uh, people who like licorice. Are just wrong. I'm glad I don't like it. I tell you what, I don't want to be on his wrong side. Underrated candy. What do you Underrated. Got? Okay, this is one. I feel pretty strongly about this one too. Mm-hmm. Um, peanut butter Twix. Interesting. You know, okay. I mean Twix. I think everybody sort of sees Twix. It's the you know, it's the meh. It's the mainstay. The only you candy know? with the cookie crunch. But sure. I mean, everybody sees the the just standard caramel Twix. But sure. man, if I get a peanut butter Twix in my bag, mm-hmm. oh man. Game I am changer. protecting that thing with my life. <laughs> not trading yeah, it away. Is, and peanut butter, generally speaking, I'm I'm really I'm very pro peanut butter, mm-hmm. crunchy and smooth. Hey, I don't discriminate. You know, either way. <laughs> but but peanut butter Twix to me is really good. I'm gonna go underrated here. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say those mini boxes of Junior Mints that are still Ooh. floating around out there. I love me a good Junior Mints. It's a nice break from the chocolate and the peanut and the caramel that you see out there all the time. It's like an aperitif, you know, just something like a palate cleanser. You know, you just pop a couple of those in your mouth, minty cool, and you go on your way. I think it's a very underrated candy. Dan, hate it, love it? Uh, both are really good suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love both mint and peanut butter when it's combined with chocolate. 
but I'm going to give one that uh, I think is a little bit underrated. Uh, it's the Mr. Good Bar. Hey, Mr. Good Simple Bar. Peanuts and chocolate. And peanuts. Yeah. Incredibly it, underrated. You know, that, is, beat it. that is very old school. Now, Dan, if I understand correctly, the other day you and Bill Barker had some sort of a, dis- a disagreement or something? Well, Bill Barker is a very intelligent man who I'm yeah. worried might be developing dementia <laughs> because he Jesus. doesn't like Reese's Pieces. <laughs> oh, my God. Which are, of course, the, one of the best candies out there. Yeah, Bill- he's just wrong there. I mean, that's, that's not even, that's not like taste is subjective and you have your opinion that's that's you know that's okay wrong. i'm not i just want to let the listeners know that i'm not suggesting that bill barker has dementia i'm just asking the question does bill barker have dementia well, that's what we do i mean we're asking the hard that's all we do here, here at the day in and day out, so. yeah who hurt you bill uh, what happened all right jason moser and dan boyd thanks for being here thanks as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's it for this edition of market foolery the show is mixed by dan boyd i'm mark reef thanks for listening we'll see you tomorrow